Okay, we're going to continue our uh, study of Psalms of Ascent, and uh, if you have not been around, just a little introduction uh, that these are 15 Psalms, Psalm 120 to 134, that are essentially songs that Jewish families would sing together as they were uh, arriving at Jerusalem for three three different feasts or festivals each year, all the all the exiles, all the the uh, Jewish families that are spread spread abroad would make their pilgrimage to uh, Jerusalem, and as they were going up to uh, Jerusalem, they would be singing these songs together. And I don't think, at least for me, the, that that category of kind of doing that together uh, communally as a Westerner in 2022, I don't necessarily have a category for that. So this is where my mind and imagination goes. I, I thought of a Sunday morning during the fall uh, as as Eagles fans descend on uh, Lincoln Financial Field, and as as they're all walking up to Lincoln Financial Financial Field together, and we have. Uh, street performers playing fly equals eagles fly and the chants of e-a-g-l-e-s uh, everybody kind of going together and, and there's this sense of anticipation there's a sense of uh, camaraderie and a rising sense of hope and i feel like that's that's the image that we want to experience as we're reading these psalms of ascent is that the people coming together with that anticipation camaraderie and hope we're going to read uh, Psalm 126. That's the psalm that we're going to study together. Uh, I invite you to open up uh, to that in your Bible uh, or your device. Uh, the three points that we're going to study to, uh, together today, God's faithfulness remembered, God's faithfulness requested, and God's faithfulness responded to. So let's read Psalm 126. A song of ascents. When the Lord restored the fortunes of Zion... We were like those who dream. Then our mouth was filled with laughter and our tongue with shouts of joy. Then they said among the nations, The Lord has done great things for them. The Lord has done great things for us. We are glad. Restore our fortunes, O Lord, like streams in the Negev. Those who sow in tears shall reap with shouts of joy. He who goes out weeping Uh, bearing the seed for sowing, shall come home with shouts of joy, bringing his sheaves with him. Will you pray with me? Father, as we uh, read uh, and consider your word together today, we are grateful that you are a faithful God, uh, that you are are a rescuing God. I thank you that um, you give us stories of your rescue, both in your word and in our our own lives. And uh, I pray that today you would just Uh, excite us about the rescue that you offer us in Jesus Christ and his death and resurrection. Uh, Bless us as we consider your word now in Jesus' name. Amen. So if you were to Google uh, the Philadelphia Inquirer uh, from February 27, 2010, you will probably find the title of an article there that said, Stranded Teens on Ski Trip Find Shelter. Stranded teens on ski trip find shelter. What you will not find in the article is that I was a bus driver on said trip with stranded teens finding shelter. I had gone with Calvary Christian Academy's seniors uh, on their annual ski trip to Elk Mountain, uh, and we arrived on a Thursday, ran, ran to the hill, started our skiing, and as we were skiing, we were starting to hear the locals talk of this impending blizzard, but we were pleased with snow, so we just continued to ski, uh, 
and as the evening approached and the snow started to fall uh, very hard, we decided it would probably be wise for us to pack up the buses and head the 10 miles through the wide open fields and winding roads of rural Pennsylvania to get to the place that we were supposed to lodge that evening. As we left, we did not get far before we discovered why the locals were talking about this blizzard, and the first bus started to slide and ended up going off of the road into the ditch. Uh, fortunately, God protected them, and it was not, uh, nobody got hurt in that. But there we were, stranded in a blizzard at night in rural Pennsylvania. It was cold. We didn't have a plan. We felt very much alone. And we stayed there for hours trying to figure out uh, what we would do. Uh, fortunately, uh, the local people were very friendly, and, and, and there were not many cars on the road, but a volunteer fireman did drive past us, and he asked us what had happened. And he actually went to the township and brought the, uh, the plow that was plowing the roads around, and he came and actually pulled the bus out of uh, the ditch, and then asked us what our plan was. We said, well, we got to get to this lodging here about 10 miles away. And he just kind of laughed and he said, you are not getting there. There's no way. There's lots of, uh, the snow has just built up in the roads. He said, I, I, I guess I have a plan. Follow me. Follow me. So he, he's literally plowing the way in front of us. My, my knuckles have never been so white as I drove this bus through this blinding blizzard at, at night in the dark. Uh, through these winding roads in Pennsylvania. What felt like a long time, we, we finally pulled into the, the parking lot of Uniondale United Methodist Church. And it was kind of this beautiful thing. that The church administrator was there. They had just finished setting up for a pancake breakfast for the next morning, and he welcomed in 60, 65 of us out of our, out of our cold buses into the into the church where we use the bathroom and... and uh, for some reason, the local pizza shop was still open in this blizzard, and they sent down pizzas to feed us. Before we knew it, the National Guard shows up with a, a military vehicle filled with uh, cots and blankets for us to sleep on in this church that we were stranded at. Uh, we slept through the night. We woke up in the morning, and guess who got to eat the pancake breakfast? We, we were grateful for their pancake breakfast. And there was just kind of this moment as we, our stomachs were full, we were warm. We, just, we, we now knew that we were not going to die in the, alone in this blizzard, where we were able to simply celebrate. There was all of a sudden lots of laughter and celebration. We were out playing in the snow, and there was kind of this newfound hope that we had uh, having been rescued. I kind of feel like that's a little bit of the picture that we see here in Psalm 126. Uh, in verses uh, 1 and 2... There we go. Excellent. Uh, when the Lord restored the fortunes of Zion, we were like those who dream. I feel like there's this picture that's uh, being uh, painted here of this rescue. And, and commentaries have different uh, opinions about the, what the rescue is from, from Babylon, exile Babylon. Uh, there's really not a lot of uh, continuity on that. But there is kind of the settledness of it's intentionally ambiguous because what the psalmist really wants the people to know is just you've been rescued in the surprise rescue, and you are a people who need to be rescued. And he's kind of painting this, this picture. Um, uh, in fact... Then um, we were like those who dream. So th this idea of dreaming. So psalmists are poets and uh, songwriters, and he kind of creates this um, this 
image of a dream, like that we're, we're daydreaming, um, and it's, it's not necessarily trying to create this, here's the strategy for you to be rescued. Go follow steps one, two, and three. No, you don't have a strategy. You're actually a people that were in captivity, and God surprised you, and he showed up, and he rescued. And he's trying to, to, to uh, engage the, the reader's heart about this incredible uh, rescue. Have you ever uh, have you ever shouted for joy? That's the response of uh, these people as they're rescued. They they laugh out loud and they shout for joy. Have you ever found yourself shouting for joy? I don't know. Maybe the birth of a child, or your child scores a, a goal, or you got that job. Um, for some of us, our, our minds would have to go back to the 2018 uh, Super Bowl. Uh, where you know the greatest quarterback of all time, Tom Brady, releases that last Hail Mary, and for Eagles fans, it felt like it was in the air for days, and it finally falls through the outreached hands of all of the receivers that are waiting for it, and it hits the ground, and there is a collective shout of joy throughout the whole Delaware Valley, right? People pour out of their houses into the streets, and there's this, this party, People are hugging each other and laughing and dancing and shouting for joy. Are are you catching the vision? Are are you daydreaming with me here? Because I I think this is what the psalmist wants us to do. He wants us to to engage our emotions about God's amazing rescue when we don't deserve it. And he wants us to remember that that is what our hearts long for. We long to be rescued from a God who sees us. Next, we see that the nations, then they said among the nations, the Lord has great, done great things for them. When God shows up, when he provides, when he provides us amazing rescues, the surrounding, the nations around pay attention. Uh, just an aside, when, when the Inquirer article wrote about our group that got stranded in the blizzard, it seemed like he went out of his way to, to note that students were gathering in prayer circles and that the principal said God provided uh, and protected them. I feel like when, when, when the nations see God show up and, provi- and protect and provide, they pay attention. Verse 3 then goes on to say, uh, the, the psalmist just affirms what the nations are saying, the Lord has done great things for us. He, in fact, has done that. We are glad. In fact, we see an emerging theme here. Um, verse 1, it is the Lord who restored the fortunes. Verse 2, the Lord has done great things for them. Verse 3, the Lord has done great things for us. We are a people who need rescue, and it is the Lord, in fact, who shows up to provide the rescue. He gets the glory when we see the need that we have. Do you have stories that you can tell, that you can think back on? God provided, God showed up, he gave a rescue. How do you remember those stories? My memory is terrible. Awful. You can ask my family, they'd be happy to tell you, I have a terrible memory. We as people often have terrible memories. So that is why God says to us, write things on our doorposts, on the frontlets of our eyelids, Deuteronomy tells us. 
He tells his people, go build piles of stones so that you can look at them and remember God's faithful rescue. New life. How do we, how do we remember God's faithful rescue? Um, verse 4. Restore our fortunes, O Lord. There's a, there's a shift that takes place here where it goes from talking about this is what God has done for us in the past. And now the author is saying, and now we're in need again. We're in need of a rescue again. Come do it again. Do it again, Lord. He, he changes this to this moment of prayer where he calls out to God to do it again. I've shared this illustration with you multiple times. I'm going to share it again because I feel like it just is this picture of this prayer. My sister tells the story of a night when she was uh, feeding her children potato chips for dinner. That wasn't a normal menu item. And so as she gave the kids the chips, she said, I'm going to, I'm going to teach a lesson here. She said to the kids, this is a picture of grace that you're having potato chips for dinner. This, this is grace. And so as my nephew gobbled up his first helping of potato chips, he looked up at my sister and said, more grace, please. <laughs> and that's, that's what we see in this prayer. We see the psalmist saying, you did it before, do it again. More grace, please. God, please provide. So I think back uh, on... New Life's, not too long ago, New Life celebrated 50 years. Uh, not necessarily Dresher, but the church as a whole, more than 50 years. I, I've been here for 13 of those years. I'm a baby in New Life years. But as I hear the stories of what God has done, I just, I just, I, it's, it's so uh, profound to hear God's faithfulness in years past. I hear of people who have been rescued and brought to saving knowledge and faith in Jesus Christ. I hear of people that have experienced this new profound freedom, understanding the goodness of God's grace. I hear stories of people repenting of gossip, of people looking at Matthew 18 and saying, I'm not going to gossip about people. I'm not going to build up walls between my, my sister and brother. I'm going to go to them and work out conflict together with them. I hear stories of the freedom that comes as people repent for their sins. I hear stories of people that are starting to understand that I am more sinful than I ever knew and yet more loved than I could ever imagine. And as I hear those stories, the prayer that I want to pray over and over again is, God, do it again. Do it again. More grace, please. More grace for your people here at New Life. So the psalmist continues uh, in his prayer uh, with the example of like streams in the Negev. Can we go back to, to verse 4? Um, the Negev is a, is a desert uh, in the southern part of Judah. And uh, like most deserts, it's dry and arid and parched. There's, there's no water. Different, different commentaries kind of look at this verse uh, in different ways. But essentially what they're say saying is, in this place where there is no water... God shows up and he pours water and brings life. And he's inviting God, just like you surprised the people before in verses 1 and 2 when we're remembering back, we need it again. Can you show up and just pour down your rain? 
pour down your water in this parched place. God, can you do it again? Now we can go to verses 5 and 6. Verses 5 and 6. Uh, Those who sow in tears shall reap with shouts of joy. He who goes out weeping, bearing the seed for sowing, keep turning it for me, thank you, shall come home with shouts of joy, bringing his sheaves with him. And another one. Oh, that's it. Okay. Um, so, so now we're, we're doing this, uh, another transition. He, his request for show up with, with, uh, with rain in the Negev. Can you do it again fast? And now he's going to speak in, in, in farmer uh, language. And the people that are uh, on these pilgrimages singing these songs, they're, they're farmers. They're familiar with uh, sowing and reaping. And so they would have um, just kind of this idea of, I have this, this seed... And my children are hungry now. I could actually give my children the seed now. Or I can trust God's faithful provision and I'm going to sow the seed and believe that he's going to bring a harvest. And there's significant faith that is required in the sowing of that seed. The, 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 um, the Jewish exiles on their pilgrimage to Jerusalem... Uh, the tears of the sower make sense. These are suffering families waiting for God's rescue and provision. Planting seed and waiting even longer for God's provision. Suffering is in the waiting. Whether the psalmist is referring to literal seed and literal hunger, or if he is simply creating another image to demonstrate the painful waiting for God to do it again, in rescuing his children. Either way, there is long, tearful waiting involved. Before there can be laughter and shouts of joy again, there must first be tearful waiting. And let's talk about waiting for a little bit. As the great philosopher and thinker of our time, Indigo Montuyo from Princess Bride said, I hate waiting. And I also hate waiting. I'm really, really bad at it. Uh, Ward laughs at me, shows up in the kitchen and uh, staff lunchroom, and I'm cleaning up for my lunch when he's coming to get his lunch. Like, waiting till noon to eat lunch is just kind of this, I I can't imagine. Um, I I feel like even watching the last couple weeks, I I was waiting for a communication, and and it just about paralyzed me. Like, I, I was anxious and irritable and angsty as I was waiting to hear simple communication. Uh, yeah, we're not good at waiting. We as people are generally not good as, at waiting. The Bible actually gives us stories and examples of uh, people that were bad at waiting. Abraham and Sarah, you know, they're waiting for God's provision of a son, and they got tired of waiting, and so they made this awful plan of Abraham going into Sarah's servants to have a baby. The people of Israel, they encourage us because they're so much like us. They were terrible at waiting. Moses went up on the mountain to meet with God. He was there for 40 days. Not, not 40 years, not 40 months, not 40 weeks. 40 days is all it took for them to deconstruct their faith and go from worshiping the living God to worshiping the idol that they made. Terrible at waiting. I, I would argue, you might argue with this, but I feel like Adam and Eve, even in their sin, they're having this interaction with the, the serpent it feels to me like there was a rhythm of God showing up each each day, maybe to go for a walk in the garden. What if they had just waited? They said to God, God, the serpent just came and said this to us, 
Help us. But they didn't wait. These songs of ascent are songs sung by Jewish pilgrims who are waiting on their visits back to Jerusalem. They're waiting to not be pilgrims anymore. They're waiting for uh, kind of this heavenly picture of Zion found in Isaiah 35:10, And the ransomed of the Lord shall return and come to Zion with singing. Everlasting joy shall be upon their heads. They shall obtain gladness and joy, and sorrow and sighing shall flee away. This is what they're waiting for. They're very familiar with this idea of waiting. Many of us are waiting. I feel like that's God, God kind of puts us in places of waiting, right? Maybe you find yourself waiting uh, for a relationship to be restored. Maybe you find yourself waiting for a loved one to come back to Jesus. Maybe you find yourself waiting for freedom from anxiety or depression or fear or loneliness. Maybe you find yourself waiting for a spouse, waiting for a child, waiting for a job, waiting for answers. Somehow God invites us to wait. And often that waiting involves tears. Scripture tells us that while we wait, there is suffering. Acts 14.23, strengthening the souls of the disciples, encouraging them to continue in the faith, and saying that through many tribulations we must enter the kingdom of God. Even in uh, Matthew 5, blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. There's an, an expectation of suffering. And there's been much suffering we, we've, we, as a church, have experienced much suffering. We, you know, individually and as a church body, have lost people that we love deeply. There's been sickness. There's been pandemics. There's been political tension. There's been lots of tears in our sowing. And frankly, we don't wait well. So what is our hope? Our hope is that we have a Savior who, who waited perfectly. Um, Hebrews 12.2 is this picture of uh, yeah, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him in his waiting, he endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Jesus was very familiar with the waiting, and he was familiar with the tears in the waiting. It was for the joy that was set before him that he, he waited enduring the cross. And Jesus had tears. In fact, included actual drops of blood as he cried out in the garden, God, please, rescue. His friends were asleep and abandoning, abandoning him. And you know what the Father's answer was to Jesus' cry? When, he, when, he, when Jesus cried out, God, rescue me, it was silence. Jesus experienced, for the first time in eternity, the silence of his Father in his waiting so that he could go to the cross and cry out on the cross, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He had silence in his waiting so that you and I would have a relationship with the Lord. 
who loves to rescue us in our waiting. And just, just to kind of paint this picture a little bit further of, of the sowing in tears and then kind of the reaping in the shouts of joy, the, the picture of Jesus, again, if we have this visual of him in the garden, kind of sowing in tears, drops of blood, completely alone, abandoned by his father, in so many ways feeling like defeated. And then we come to this, this, this vision in Revelations 1, 13 through 16, and in the midst of the lampstand, one like a son of man, clothed with a long robe and with a golden sash around his chest. The hairs of his head were white like wool, like snow. His eyes were like a flame of fire. His feet were like burnished bronze, refined in a furnace, and his voice was like the roar of many waters. In his right hand he held seven stars. From his mouth came a sharp two-edged sword, and his face was like the sun, shining in full strength. Just this picture of sowing in tears and reaping in joy and laughter. Jesus sowed in tears, and this is, this is who, this is who he, he became. This is, this is the fruit of his sowing and, and waiting in tears. And then he, because of his death and resurrection, because he re-experienced silence on our behalf from his Father, then it takes us to Revelation 21, where we get to see uh, the, the reaping and the, the excitement that we have. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them, and they will be his people. And God himself will be them, with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning. We sow in tears, and we know that that's what we have. That, that's the reaping. That's the celebration. In that moment, there's joy and laughter, and all the waiting that we experience we know that God will be our God and that we will celebrate with no more tears. And as we wait in tears, we keep coming to the faithful rescuer crying out over and over again, do it again, God. More grace, please. More grace. With hope that God's faithfulness leads us to shouts of joy. We pray with me. God, we thank you that in our waiting we have the hope of a faithful God and a faithful rescuer who loves to restore our fortunes, to restore our hope, to restore our lives. We thank you for Jesus who laid down his life, who experienced silence from you, so that we could hear from you your answer of rescue and provision. And God, I pray that you get, make us people of hope, that we, would, that we would remember your faithfulness, that we'd call out to you for your continued faithfulness, and we would live as ones who have a, 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 a God who rescues us towards faithfulness. I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.